Have I got a treat of a Locked On Kings podcast for you today, partially because we're not actually talking about actual Kings basketball, but mainly because Sam Amick of The Athletic, one of the best and most connected national NBA reporters, is joining us in the heat of trade deadline rumors. He's going to talk a lot of Kings basketball, give us an update on the Ben Simmons situation, talk about the value of De'Aaron Fox compared to Ben Simmons among value of other Kings players on the trade market, and he'll fill us in on the pressure that is on Kings general manager Monty McNair, whether or not his job is on the line if the Kings don't make big moves and actually make the playoffs. It's all on this must-listen episode of the Lockdown Kings podcast. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all off season. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of your Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, PrizePicks.com. Go there right now, use promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports media member for the last seven years. This is my eighth season covering Kings basketball, uh, formerly for Sacramento Sports Radio, now with ABC 10 News and Television here in the California capital. And thank goodness for today's podcast. Thank goodness for this interview with Sam Amick to take the bad taste out of my mouth of the Kings getting absolutely obliterated by the Boston Celtics. And if you want to watch a depressing podcast after that Celtics loss, go and check out yesterday's episode. And so many of you continue to tune in, continue to support despite this team being border, not just borderline, just completely uh, unwatchable at this point in time. And I appreciate you so, so much. So I'm rewarding you and I've been rewarded myself with the opportunity to speak to Sam here today. So much great stuff that we're going to get into. I tease a little bit of it uh, in that intro, but he's going to share with us the values around the league of De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, Harrison Barnes, Marvin Bagley, Buddy Heald. Uh, He's going to talk about the latest with the Ben Simmons situation, whether or not Daryl Morey is bluffing or not when it comes to the Sixers holding on to Ben Simmons until this upcoming offseason in an attempt to go after James Harden. Uh, he's going to fill us in on Monty McNair's current situation, uh, how firing Monty McNair would be a really poor reflection uh, on King's ownership and how that's something that they have to consider, how uh, McNair's seat could be hot, the amount of pressure on McNair to make a big move. There is so much stuff in this half an hour interview. I have no time to waste at all. So without any further ado, please enjoy my conversation with the athletics, Sam Amick. It's difficult enough for me to follow one NBA team during the chaos and fun that is uh, NBA trade deadline time, but imagine following the entire league. Thankfully, I don't have to because we have amazing journalists out there like Sam Amick of The Athletic. It has been a while since Sam has blessed us here on the Lockdown Kings podcast, and I managed to snag him during 
maybe the busiest time of the year. And if uh, if you're not familiar with Sam, the local reporter, in addition to the national reporter, Sam has roots and deep ties here in Sacramento, formerly with the Sacramento Bee. So in terms of trustworthy national reporting, when it comes to the Sacramento Kings, there's probably not a better man out there. Sam, welcome back to Locked on Kings, my friend. I appreciate you taking the time. We just had a nice lengthy uh, off-air discussion on Barry Bonds not making it to the Hall of Fame. So you're opinionated about everything. <laughs> and I know you'll be able to, to weigh in a little bit on what going on here in Sacramento. Thanks for having me, Matt. I hope you don't mind the, the casual attire that I'm rocking today. It's uh it's a casual day at the Amic household, but yeah, I, you know, maybe we'll do a baseball pod uh, on the side one of these days. That was a good little bonds discussion we had. Not what they're here to, 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 to listen to, but uh, you got, so uh, let's talk some hoops. You'd be surprised a lot of Kings fans at this point in time seemingly would want to talk about anything but the Kings just based off of their 53 point loss the other night. This team incapable of even understanding the term defense, let alone knowing how to play it. Uh, This team has its fair share of problems to say the absolute least, Sam. And and you know, as well as everybody does, that the Kings goal this season uh, has always been playoffs. And and that's a goal that Monty McNair talked about, a goal that Luke Walton, when he was still here, talked a lot about. We know the Kings are staring uh, a historic, the wrong kind of history in the face with the longest ever uh, NBA playoff drought. Um, So... It's, it's not surprising when McNair did a recent interview with uh, Carmichael Dave on Sports 1140 KHDK saying that the goal was still to go for the playoffs. It's not surprising necessarily to see the Kings involved in um, in all of these these rumors, especially the Ben Simmons sweepstakes. You and Shams reported, I think, last week that, and you said uh, this actually on a podcast, uh, that um, Ben Simmons was kind of option or goal number one. And then DeMontis Sabonis was, was kind of their fallback plan, plan B. Am I saying that right? And is that still the plan as far as you know? Uh, I think things have evolved, you know, uh, Jeremy Grant's another guy that the Kings have been tied to. Um, But the Simmons landscape, not just for the Kings, but I think, you know, honestly, most teams pursuing him has gotten, you know, more and more complicated people feeling like the Sixers are very likely to hold on to him. Uh, you know, Shams and I reported on Monday that they have some optimism in Philly about the idea of maybe landing James Harden this summer in a sign and trade, and that might disincentivize them to go ahead and do a deal now. So for sure, I, I do believe the Kings are still engaged on the Simmons front. Uh, you know, I was told definitively that They would not be taking back Tobias Harris. You know, that has been reported differently elsewhere. Um, Like always, we'll see what kind of comes out in the wash. But, you know, I do think players like that are front and center, probably some others that that we are missing under the radar. The Kings aren't bashful about telling you at minimum that they will be involved in a situation that involves any kind of impact player. And that does, I think, speak to – the uh, just the level of urgency around their situation for sure. They feel like they've got to get something done here. On the Simmons standpoint, I had a natural skepticism. We know Daryl Morey's been very vocal and very public with uh, with everything going on in this uh, this Ben Simmons negotiation sweepstake around the league, not just with the Sacramento Kings. Um, but I, I had a natural skepticism when I heard this 
idea uh, or preference of holding on to Simmons until this offseason to try and do that hard and sign and trade like you mentioned because I look at the 76ers right now and even though they're not necessarily at the top of the standings in the, the Eastern Conference, they have a Joel Embiid playing on an MVP level. There is a, a window available to them to to compete right now and I wonder how willing they are to maybe waste a year, waste an opportunity like that to hang on to Simmons, have this asset that's just sitting on your bench when when you could use him to clearly improve right away. Do you think this is a bluff that Maury potentially needs to be called on? Or do you think this is legitimate? The Sixers are, are very comfortable with the idea of hanging on to him and taking the bump maybe immediately to set themselves up for a golden offseason. Yeah, I mean, I you know, again, it, it's always hard with this job. We don't run around with lie detectors, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. hard to know is true and what's not. I will say that, you know, f- trying to follow my own instincts, like always, I would venture to, to believe the Philly stance right now um, regarding them waiting for this summer, not just for James, but Damian Lillard's situation could be different at that point. Bradley Beal, Jalen Brown, players like that. The market right now with, you know, what's available to them, I would probably argue, you know, as far as the the main players that might be the centerpieces of a Simmons deal, it's more like top 50 players, top 60 players, than it is top 30, which is what they were hoping to get going into this thing. Top 30, of course, being, you know, basically all-star. I think a guy like Sabonis is, you know, right there on the fringe, you could maybe argue Darren Fox, although, you know, not, you know, this year, probably mm-hmm. in that top 50, top 60 range. Um, but I think they are serious about waiting until this summer. And I, you know, part of our reporting was me being told from a, a very good source on that side that that Daryl does have full backing of ownership to go past this deadline. Um, I also think, you know, one thing that gets overlooked here and I understand it might be a little counterintuitive, but, you know, stick with me on this kind of thread, is that Joel Embiid is playing at an incredibly high level. And a lot of people's reaction to that has been to say, gosh, he's so great, get him some help so you can win a title. I actually am starting to feel like it might actually have the reverse effect, which is Joel, I think, is enjoying the hell out of having the spotlight to himself Mm -hmm. right now. And he's, you know, you see Shaq, on TNT, Shaquille O'Neal on TNT all the time, when he analyzes big fellas, what does he talk about? Like, get in the paint, put your hand up, old-style bully ball, do your thing. And almost nobody plays that way anymore. Well, here's Joel Embiid out there, four consecutive games, 40 points, 10 rebounds, playing, you know, Will Chamberlain coming up in terms of historical context of things that Joel is doing. And I kind of feel like if you're Joel, you might just, you know, roll the dice this year, get all these individual accolades showing people how incredibly dominant you are, assert yourself as the franchise centerpiece, make sure that is not in question. Then by the time the next guy rolls around, whoever the heck that co-star winds up being, if it's, you know, James Harden or somebody else, the, then the ecosystem in Philly, I think is almost more crystal before, if that makes sense. So, you know, that to me is actually partly why Joel has patience here. He's publicly talked about the fact that he doesn't think they should do a move. He's backing Daryl Morey. That's giving the organization in negotiations. And I actually think it's real. So, I mean, we'll see how it plays out. 
Today's episode of Locked on Kings brought to you by Prize Picks. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, Prize Picks is the best NBA daily f- fantasy sports prop game on the market. And it's not even close. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. Prize Picks offers any prop that you can think of points, assists, rebounds, threes made, etc. It has it all. And the way you uh, you play on Prize Picks, it's pretty simple. You pick two to five players and an over under on their projection for the stat of your choosing. You can win up to 10 times on any entry and it's just you versus the projected numbers. You're not going against any sharks out there in Vegas who just make a living off of taking advantage. Uh, but you have a great sports knowledge, especially if you voluntarily uh, follow the Sacramento Kings. So use that sports knowledge to cash in uh, on prize picks and make sure when you go to prizepicks.com today or go to your app store and download the app, you use promo code NBA when you sign up. You'll get $50 for free if your first prize pick entry scores a single point, which is super easy to do. It's free money. That's right. All users that deposit use promo code NBA will get $50 for free if your first prize pick entry scores a single point. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. Going back to the Kings, you've reported um, that nobody is is necessarily listed as untouchable with this Kings team. We've heard De'Aaron Fox's name be brought up in a lot of discussions, a lot of rumors, and the general consensus, at least for me here in Sacramento, is if the Kings want to get the talent that they're looking for, they're going to have to give up talent to do it. Now, we also know that if McNair is going to move on from one of De'Aaron Fox or Tyrese Halliburton, it's going to be probably a significant haul in return, maybe almost an offer you can't refuse type deal uh, to, to get that move done. But then there's a recent report from, uh, from The Athletic that um, that the Kings are willing to commit to and, and are, are committing to keeping De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton together, building around that duo. Is that the Kings setting up a fallback in the, in the case that they can't move on from De'Aaron Fox to appease their star and not piss him off with the fact that he's been potentially shopped and he's been involved in rumors? Um or do you see that as this Kings team is still committed to this group, despite how poor this team has been? No, I think it's probably not probably my, my strong sense. It's, you know, it's the former of the two options that you kind of laid out there. It's the idea that I think they are reacting to the market, meaning, you know, if you have three or four or five trades that you wanted to explore in front of you and they included somebody like Darren Fox, you then proceeded to have dialogue with each of those five teams, get clarity on the fact that De'Aaron and whatever else was very likely not going to get any of those deals done. At that point, from a you know internal politics standpoint, you have an issue because your main player's name has been out there for quite some time. So I think then you do start cleaning up the mess in terms of the relationship dynamics. To me, that's what that was. But you don't do that unless you are reasonably confident about the market. You know what I mean? Like you, 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 you know, you're putting yourself out there a bit to say De'Aaron's not going anywhere uh, because you, you, you just, you know, what's out there, you know, what you can't get done. And now it does look like De'Aaron will probably stick around. Now, could something change? hundred percent. I mean, I don't remember a trade deadline where, you know, there's been so much chatter mainly because of the Ben Simmons um, stuff, like so far in advance of the deadline, like we still got, 13 days to go, it feels like the deadline should be tomorrow. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So still a, a lot of time, but for now, I think, you know, to me, it's the, it's the politics internally that the, that the Kings are trying to manage. 
And through that entire time before we actually get to the, the trade deadline itself on the 10th, the Kings still have eight more games to play. And Sam, I've been calling all season Do they long. have to? I know, right? <laughs> Can you just forfeit them now and save us all this trouble? Uh, the, uh, I've been calling all season long for McNair to make a swing for the fences move. It's really one of the few things that the Kings haven't necessarily tried during this entire playoff drought. And I still see the value in that swing for the fences move, that all-in type gamble. But at the same time, too, with how this team is is sliding recently, they're now, I think, three and a half, four games back of the Portland Trailblazers in just the 10th seed, let alone the actual playoff picture itself. We're just talking the play-in at this point. The Kings are falling out of it. I, I if, if McNair continues to wait, maybe it's not his choice to wait. You have to have two to tango. But if, if McNair waits till February 10th with the stretch this Kings team is currently in, tough opponents coming up, they might be out of the picture even if they were able to pull off a, a Ben Simmons swing for the fences that they might it just might be too deep of a hole for them to climb out of. So I've talked about the potential of the Kings transitioning away from that swing for the fences towards more of a hey, let's look towards the draft, not necessarily tanking, but try and use assets that you have here that you're going to move on from to try and get young players or draft picks and look to build around that Fox Halliburton core for next season. I say all that to say I initially have a skepticism that McNair is able to make that decision because of the pressure of this team to make the playoffs. It's not only coming from ownership, that's coming from history, that's coming from the fan base. In your mind, have you heard anything or have any uh, reason to believe that McNair's job is potentially reliant on the Kings making the playoffs this year? Uh, I just think in general terms that he's under a lot of pressure. Now there's been, you know, if you, if you come to the organization with specific questions about how that pressure is being framed, meaning, you know, I mean, there has been chatter out there that, okay, if, you know, if they don't do a big deal, does Monty out this summer? Uh, that has been denied by the by the organization. Um, those types of parameters. What what they don't deny is that there's pressure on everybody, and, and of course they will dole that out. But it's like, okay, let's let's break it down. Is there pressure on the coaching staff? Well, no, because they already fired the head coach, so that that box has already been checked. And of course, Alvin Gentry would like to keep this job, but it's not the same as Monty McNair. Uh, you know, trying to be the GM of this team for a very long time. You know, the owner is not going anywhere, despite what a lot of fans would like. And so in, in the players, it just becomes a case of they're not even controlling their own fate. There's pressure on the players, but they're not in control. So really, the only guy with control and and really, you know, kind of skin of the game, if you will, it's money. And so, yeah, there is a lot of pressure. And I think that you know, if the deadline comes and goes and, and there's no fireworks at all with this roster, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what Vivek Ranadive is going to do. I, I know that – and there, there's situations like this all over the league. A lot of times when certain people are on the verge of getting fired, the person doing the potential firing has to also look in the mirror mm. and think about what the conversation is going to sound like and be like if you make that move. You know, down in L.A., for example – Frank Vogel has come very close to losing his job as a head coach of the Lakers. The second that Rob Palenka fires Frank Vogel, if that does happen, then what do people talk about? Rob and the job he did with the roster. Um, now, in Sacramento, I would argue that because they already fired the coach, it's that scenario, but it's already one level higher. So if you fired Monty McNair, you know, after kind of forcing Vlade Divac out, after Pete D'Alessandro, after all these front office changes, 
then what are the fans and media going to talk about? You go one ratchet higher and you talk about the owner. So, you know, I think those things are a big part of the calculus. Uh, the, the history, though, of the franchise and the playoff drought that is just looming so large over them, mm. I mean, I've never seen anything like it just from a human standpoint of the people within the organization <clears throat> trying to do their best in 2022, 2021-22, but also knowing, like, good Lord, like people are upset going back to 2006 this is a lot to process we weren't even here yet there, there's some of that and it's hard you know i'm and i know i'm rambling on you matt but last night i'm watching um the timberwolves game and anthony edwards is just putting on a special performance and doing incredible things and i'm watching now granted they're around 500 but it's a hell of a lot better than the kings and that's an organization that has one playoff appearance in the entire span since, you know, the, the roughly since the Kings have had their playoff drought. A lot of parallels between Minnesota and Sacramento. And out in Minnesota, you're going, wow, I think they might, they, they finally found a player who who is kind of wired in the kind of way that can pierce through all that and maybe pull them out of his darkness, you know, and, and maybe do it along with Carl Anthony Towns. And Chris Finch is a good coach and and, and so they're starting to see some light. And then out in Sacramento, you know, they're getting drubbed by 50 points to the Celtics in Boston. And it's, so it's just wild how, uh, you know, it's just it's been such a, a dark, dark stretch and it doesn't seem any better anytime soon. Sorry to interrupt my conversation with Sam Amick, but I got to tell you about Built Bar. And I think Sam Amick needs to hear about Built Bar himself. I have to actually ask him next time I get the opportunity to see him uh, if he's familiar with Built Bar, because this is a bar that's not only making its way around, of course, all the listeners of the Locked on Kings podcast, all the hosts of the Locked on Kings podcast. I'm starting to see Built Bars all over the world of professional sports, seeing athletes eat them. That's because Built Bars are protein bars that taste like candy bars. It gives you that chocolate, gives you that deliciousness that you enjoy without having a bar that is bad for you compared to uh, candy bars that have on average 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs. Most built bars have 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. And they're covered in hundred percent chocolate. There's also a wide variety of them, a bunch of different flavors for you to try. If you go to built.com, order a mixed box, they'll send you a bunch of different bars for you to try out. And the next time you order a box, you can pick and choose the bars that you want and they'll send them directly to you. When you do order on built, com. Make sure you use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Of course, Monty's not to blame for all 15 years of this drought, but he's now had one and a half full off seasons as he was hired halfway through the uh, a couple of off seasons ago. How do you assess, Sam, the job that Monty has done? He's had two trades that pretty much fell through. The Bogdan Bogdanovich sign and trade with Milwaukee that definitely would have made this team better. The the whole Kings-Lakers saga on uh, on draft night that that saw the uh, the Wizards swoop in and dish Russell, Russell Westbrook, and they're loving that trade for them. So you have that. You have him drafting Tyrese Halliburton, which is a big win, but then the next year drafting Davion Mitchell when your two best players are already ball handling guards and then you have pretty much after that he's kind of sat on his hands he's done a lot of nothing at least recently his moves at the the last trade deadline he called accumulating assets hasn't paid off for this team at all and we could uh there are a lot of arguments in sacramento that the kings would have been better kind of tanking or, or not going for it last year and putting themselves in a better position this year which obviously they they didn't do and they aren't in a better position how do you assess 
McNair's job so far as the guy in Sacramento? I mean, it's been a mixed bag, obviously, and the tough part for Monty right now is that it's it, it is fair to say that you know whether you you say that he's been keeping his powder in his gun or he's been sitting on his hands that's a matter of perspective you know what i mean um and also the one thing he had going for him at least last season was that the draft had gone well you know and, and now all of a sudden you know th- there's not as much buzz around tyrese halliburton because the team is struggling so much he has good nights he's a good player but the, the hope, which bad teams need their fans to have hope, the hope that came with Tyrese last year, and tell me if you disagree, Matt, is just not there this year. It doesn't feel like he's, you know, like we talk about Anthony Edwards. Like those two players are just light years apart mm-hmm. in terms of their ability to, to lead a, a franchise out of the darkness. So the buzz is being, you know, down on Tyrese doesn't help when it comes to the optics around Monty. And then Davion Mitchell you know, when they took him, I did respect the kind of the, uh, the the ethos behind it, if you will, and the idea that they went for best player after a very well-chronicled set. Lottie Divac passes on Luka Doncic, goes for Marvin Bagley, mainly because of fit. So mm-hmm. the idea was, like, you can't get mad at one GM for going for fit over talent, you know, and then get mad at the next guy because he went talent over fit. Well, I mean, welcome to Sacramento where like, you know, it just, it, it cuts the wrong way every time for everybody. And, and right now it looks like a tough pick because unless they move De'Aaron or Tyrese, you have a, a backlog of wings. You have politics within all that, where I think Davion, people forget Davion's a rookie, but he's 23 years old. Like he's mm-hmm. ready to play big minutes right now. And I, I think he would be just fine if some playing time, kind of broke up or broke free at the trade deadline with somebody moving on. Um, and so it's just not worked out very well. And he has not played as well, you know, for most of the season. as So it's been a rough go for Monty. And it's all kind of led up to this period where, you know, you can certainly save it all if you get some trade that you knock out of the park. But, uh, you know, that's easier said than done. I'm going to fire some uh, some names on this Kings roster that are more than likely on the block, maybe some of them not on the block. It's always difficult to gauge player value. It changes by the day, by the hour, by the minute, it seems, as the deadline uh, gets closer and closer. But the first two that I want to start out with are De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton, and I mainly want to compare the two of them. Um, because we've heard Fox's name floated out. I, in a hypothetical scenario where the Kings had to choose between the two, I personally feel the Kings would choose Halliburton. It was Monty's pick. He's younger, contractual control, all those all those reasons to go with Halliburton, not necessarily the better player than Fox right now. But comparing values in your mind, do you think one carries more value over the other uh, on the trade market, Fox and Halliburton? Um, I would probably argue that Halliburton does right now. Um, although it's a tricky calculus because the, you know, the financial component is, is really the only reason that it's a discussion, you know, Darren's at the moment, but he's coming at a, you know, at 10 times the cost, you know what I mean? Um, and, and that kind of commitment you know, I don't know what Tyrese's number is on that rookie contract, but it's obviously, you know, several multiples, uh, you know, fewer than Darren's. Mm-hmm. So. I also think that in general, you know, De'Aaron just hasn't, if he was playing this season to to put on a, a show for everybody else in the league to want to come get him, 
that hasn't happened. He's had some moments, but it's just, you know, he's not the guy that, uh, where again, like Tyrese, the buzz is not what it once was with the Aaron. Uh, I know this is probably maybe not fair, but I, I keep thinking about last season when my, uh, my colleague and friend, uh, Amin El-Hassan, had got a lot of blowback from Kings fans when he talked about John Morant, you know, being the player that, that De'Aaron mm-hmm. Fox thought he was. And, and that, that analysis, while, you know, like, listen, if you're De'Aaron, I understand that you're saying, why do I got to catch strays? Just say the jaw's great. I get that, but it, it does underscore the reality that for a minute, De'Aaron, we thought, might have been the kind of player to do what Jaw's doing in Memphis. And he's just not. It's just all there is to it. He's not. And, and that is just a massive, massive miss for the Kings if that continues to be the case. Because you could even take it back to Luka. Like the idea that, you know, Vladi, 100%, he thought so highly of De'Aaron that he didn't want to be forced to trade De'Aaron because he was going to bring Luka to town. That all hinged on De'Aaron being special. And he has not been special. He's been good at times, but he's not been special. So uh, um, that's where I think to your question, Tyler, value, because you know how executives think, like, there's nothing worse than, you know, a potential being proven wrong, which is where we're getting with the Aaron in the conversation. Not all the way, but in terms of, like, what people thought he could be versus what he appears to be. You know, we're, we're, we're a lot closer to the end of that, that analysis than we are with Tyrese, where you can still kind of think and wonder three years down the road, what's going to happen with his body? You know, what kind of leader is he come? He's so young. He's, he's got so much raw skill. So, you know, to me, Tyrese still gives you more of that optimism if you're, uh, if you're trading for him. Back at the beginning of the season, I uh, I worked a, a Kings Jazz game. I was working with the King, or rather the Utah Jazz radio team, and David Locke, the play-by-play broadcaster, said that Harrison Barnes, he believes, is a missing piece on a championship or, or a deep playoff team. And it's no surprise that the Jazz are reportedly interested uh, in Harrison Barnes, and HB, I think, could provide a lot of value um, for a, a lot of teams out there that are, are looking to bolster that position. What kind of return and what kind of value would you expect Harrison Barnes uh, to have out there? And have you heard any particular interest in him specifically? Uh, yeah, no, I know David well, and I, I, I don't know if I'm breaking any lockdown rules here, but the namesake of, of your fine pod, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, so I can't advance that storyline because Utah is literally the only team that I've heard specifically in terms of interest with the, with Harrison. So that is very real. I don't know what kind of price tag there might be. Now, Boston's another one that I don't know about, you know, where that's at right now. I do know for sure that over the course of the past couple of years that that Boston was a team that had a lot of interest in Harrison. But, you know, don't get excited about them giving up, you know, any of their main guys Mm -hmm. for, for Harrison Barnes. It would have to be pieces around the edges. But his reputation is good. It's kind of a, a hybrid between Tyrese and De'Aaron, meaning it's not about what he could be at all. We know what Harrison Barnes is. And, and he's a professional who, first of all, as a teammate, you just can't find anybody to say bad things about him um, in terms of the way he carries himself within the organization. Nothing but A-plus marks from people who have had him. And then, you know, he's a guy who can defend multiple positions, who can – obviously get hot and, and give you 25, 30 a night every so often. Um, 
or I guess 25, 30 every so often, not, not a night. Um, so he's a good player and he's got championship caliber. Everybody kind of forgets he won that ring with the Warriors. So I think he'll draw interest, but you know, he's not so much of a game changer that like if the Kings only move at this deadline is to move Harrison for something, uh, it's, I certainly don't think it's the kind of trade that is going to propel them to the playoffs. And it might be a combination of trades that not necessarily propose them to the playoffs, but like we talked about earlier, it, it sets them up for maybe a, a slight retool and put themselves in a better position with a little more optimism heading into the offseason and into next season while continuing to lose and securing a top draft pick. So maybe you can move HP with that. Uh, Sam, you've been so generous with your time. I'm going to sneak three more names here. I don't expect answers for all three, but Rashawn Holmes, uh, Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley, those are other three uh, or three other names. Two in particular, Buddy and, and Bagley, we know are are pretty heavily on the Kings trading block. Any buzz around them? Anything worthy of note for any of those guys uh, around the rumor mill? Just the usual stuff that you've already read. I mean, with with uh, with Buddy, you wonder about Philly. You know, if there was a Simmons deal to be had, you know, I think Buddy would would uh, likely be a part of that. Um, you know, to to give Philly some more shooting. You know, with Bar- uh, Marvin, Detroit gets mentioned more than any other team. New Orleans is another team that I don't know exactly where they're at, but, you know, I can safely kind of share that, you know, they've had, they've poked around, I guess, uh, about Marvin and and find him interesting. Um, It's, they're good pieces. You know what I mean? Like that is, I talked to somebody the other day about this, how like it's wild that a team like the Kings could be so bad collectively. Mm. But then when you look at their players as, trade assets, you know, and you, and you envision, you know, let's say Rashawn Holmes on a decent team, you know, or even Bagley. I mean, it's, you know, these guys are going to wind up helping another team most likely. And that's, what's going to drive King fans crazy mm-hmm. because how many times have you seen a guy who just didn't like a George Hill, right. Who goes somewhere else and, and plays out of his mind and wasn't very good when he was in a King's Jersey uh, again, you know, I always wind up doing Kings interviews and feeling so depressed for the fans on the back end um, because these all these trends are just as old as time and they don't change. But, you know, yeah, those guys will draw interest for sure. Well, Sam, to, to add to that depression really, really quickly, uh, you've, you're very familiar with the teams, with the rosters that this Kings organization has had during this entire playoff drought. And what's most frustrating about this season, this is, to me personally, one of the most frustrating seasons of Kings basketball that I've ever lived through and, and covered. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that I think this is the most talented roster player for player that the Kings have had during this playoff drought, even more than the the, the cousins, Rudy Gay, Isaiah Thomas, and nothing else Kings roster uh, of, of a number of years ago. So the fact that this group clearly can't figure out how to play together despite having so much talent just drives Kings fans to want to pull their hair out. Do you agree with that assessment, having known all these rosters that they've put together? Or do you think there are other teams that are that were better suited for brighter days than this group? No, I, I think the one you mentioned, I would take over this one for sure. Um, the Marcus and Rudy and Isaiah, you know, I mean, Rudy's still doing his thing with Utah. Isaiah's mm-hmm. obviously out the league, but talented player um, and, a, and a guy who just did special things in Boston. And then DeMarcus, in terms of just sheer dominance, had, you know, he had stretches where we talked to earlier about Joel Embiid and kind of him kind of being able to enjoy all of his superpowers there was obviously a stretch when DeMarcus lived that kind of an existence with the Kings. They might lose the game, but he's given you monster numbers. So to me, that three 
you know, that trio should have been better, should have won more than they did. And I think he's more talented than this group. Um, but with this current group, for me, it just goes back to Fox. Uh, I, I don't know how – I can't put my finger on it in terms of, you know, why it hasn't worked out. It does – and this is not just a Darren thing, but with some of the guys on this roster, not the Rashawn Holmeses or, or guys like that, and, and Tyrese is still on the younger end, but, man, it just feels like some of these guys just – they you know, they're comfortable enough – you know, making the money they make. Mm. Yeah, they have the disappointment of the fans, but you're not in New York. You don't have seen you every day. As long as you stay, you know, you're not going to get too caught up in it. Um, I don't know. I just doesn't – there's just something in the water out here that, that is not getting the best out of, out of the players that come through town, and I'm not sure how they fix it. Sam, you're uh, you're in the Golden One Center for a lot of games, even when the team's not good. So one day we look forward to having you in when the team is uh, is a little bit more enjoyable or a lot a bit more enjoyable than they are right now. But I really appreciate your time. Speaking of enjoyable, having you on Locked On Kings, especially right now during this time of the year, is an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time. I look forward to doing it again in the future. I hope you get some sleep and uh, hopefully you're breaking some good news on the Kings side here sooner rather than later. Appreciate you, man. I can't stress to you how much of a treat it is to have Sam Amick on around this time of the year. It's been too long since I've had him on. Hopefully, we'll get him on uh, in in the nearer future rather than later. But to get him uh, and to have even half an hour of his time uh, is is a real treat. So I hope you enjoyed that. If you want to respond to the things that Sam and I discussed, there's a lot in there to unpack. Please do so. Uh, you can do that on Twitter, Matt George or at Matt George Sports. Rather, excuse me, at Matt George Sack S A C. My email address is Matt. George sports at gmail.com. Uh, or if you're watching on YouTube, the YouTube comment section goes crazy every single episode. I appreciate you so much. Plenty to respond to in regards to this conversation with Sam Amick. Get loose, leave your thoughts down there. I really would appreciate that. I appreciate your support as always. The Kings play the Atlanta Hawks tonight. Who the hell cares if the game, if there's anything worth mentioning for this game, I'll talk about it uh, on a, on an episode of the podcast tomorrow. Uh, but Obviously, what is happening off the floor, what's happening in trade rumors, and what Sam Amick could share with us is going to be far more interesting than anything the Kings do on the floor in Atlanta tonight. And that includes if they somehow find a way uh, to win this game. So who knows what's going to happen there? Who knows what's going to happen in the trade uh, market? But whatever happens, we, of course, will talk about it here on Lockdown Kings. Appreciate your support. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Lockdown Kings, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network.